I'm Asan, and I've got absolutely no idea how to start this podcast. Manchester City are back-to-back champions of the Premier League. I've not had much sleep. The team haven't had much sleep. Phones are going mental. Messages are coming from everywhere. So we're going to try and do some sort of review. The way that we're going to do this is I'm just going to ring around everybody and see how they're doing and see how their day yesterday was. And the first man, obviously, is my big man, my wingman, Mr. Howard Hawking. Howard, it's done, mate. It's done. Can you believe this Premier League season is over oh. and 14 wins on the bounce later. Manchester City are the champions of England. Are you having it? Am I allowed to swear? You are. Go for it. Thank fuck for that. <laughs> oh, oh, my heart on grey itself now. Probably not. <laughs> no, probably not, no. <laughs> probably not. Mate, I don't know where to start. I don't know whether we should do an inventory of what you drank. I don't know if I should do an inventory of what time you started drinking. I think what I'm going to start with is how your day actually started. Like, what did you... Were you, were you up early, nervous? Were you, like, try to lie in bed, just try to kill time? How did your Sunday go, yeah. mate? Well, firstly, my voice is going to go at points, so I apologise. <coughs> Which is partly a cold I've had this week. Partly self-inflicted. Uh, it's weird. I wasn't as bad as previous matches. That's... It started kicking off. We did the preview show on Friday. Mm. So I had to think about it. So that, you know, my arse went a bit during that and during Friday. Then I forgot about it because uh, I was out Friday. But I was in all Saturday, you know, because I'd be out on Sunday. I had little waves of panic here and there, but it wasn't too bad. And I woke up and I slept well. And I woke up on Sunday and I just thought, yeah, I want to sleep as much as possible because... Basically, I wanted the match to start as soon as I woke up. You just <laughs> you want it over with, don't you? So totally. But I wasn't that bad. I've been. I mean, Derby Day was worse. The Spurs match and the Leicester match was just as bad. This, I don't. I can't say it was confidence. I was. I didn't want to think about how will it go because it's it's too late for that trying to predict it's def- stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I went to the pub, Holtz Pub in Sale. Um, what time did you get there? Midday. Okay. So I had three hours to take a run-up at the match. Someone brought some darts to distract us, uh, and it yeah. went pretty slowly, I'll be honest. Can we do a quick... Can we do, we'll do? We'll begin the drinks inventory now, right? So between midday and three, is that peak drinking time? Yeah, because I so, slowed down after a few, so... Okay. So it's, yeah, just halts bitter, basically, which... If anyone drinks Holt's Bitter Nose, doesn't stay in your body for very long. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to add to the, uh, yeah, the excitement of the day. <laughs> Listen, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you quickly about the uh, when the team comes out. Do you look at it? Are you bothered about who's picked, or is is it one of those days where it just there's no conversation in the pub about what the team is? It just doesn't matter. No, I mean. Mahrez got some discussion, but there wasn't much discussion now because you literally are at the point that it's not who they pick, it's whether they're focused and not nervous and so on and so on. We're putting a far better side out. It basically boils down to that they don't choke on the day. That was it, yeah. So it wasn't that important unless you'd done something ridiculously left field, you know, like players out of position and all sorts of, you know, Suddenly switched to a back three or something, you know, but apart from that, no, there wasn't much discussion. Uh, 
They will always have the discussion over Mares, Sane, etc. But otherwise, no. I think looked at the team and th- looked at theirs. Obviously, they're giving Bruno a send off. It was it was a team that should do the job e- easily. Mm. Basically, yeah. So I'm really surprised because I'm going to be very frank. Uh, I did not feel calm at all. Um, as the, I'll, I'll talk about this across all the reviews, but I'll talk maybe about this part of my day. So I had no internet and no TV. So I had to kind of yeah. figure out whether I was going to go to a pub or whether I was going to go to a mate's or what I was going to do. Very quickly, I established that most of the places that were relatively convenient to get to were shown the Liverpool game. Um, so I was a bit like, okay, that's definitely not going to work. Um, Claire took me for, for, for brunch. She said I could drink what I wanted. I bottled it and, and ordered a bottle of water. Had I, I I couldn't do it. Like I just I, I feared that I feared that if I if I started drinking somehow, some way, I'd lose control a bit too early. Yeah. Um and then to be perfectly honest, just the nerves, the the whole figuring out how to watch it, it just compounded everything. And I had convinced myself by the time the team was released that something really weird was going to happen. And then when I saw the team, it kind of put me halfway there. I was like, okay, this just feels somehow weird. Anyway, so Howard, your hour in the build-up, you do some drinking, the whistle goes. How was it first half? I mean, I want to talk, obviously, we'll talk about the, the Brighton goal, but just in general, how was it for you? To be honest, it, it was all right. I, the build-up is worse for me than the match. Okay. Once the match starts, well, it's happening, so what happens, happens. It's just the build-up is far more excruciating for me. <sighs> how was it? It was, well, obviously up and down. The first 20 minutes, I wasn't sure. We knew that, I just knew Liverpool were going to win, so just them getting the early goal rather than, you know, doing it late on. As the table stands, always just puts a little bit of uh, fear into your body. When they scored, honestly, yeah, I was in a bad place for 86 seconds, (laughs) to be perfectly honest, because, you know, it just felt like, you know, what I... I went into my usual woe is me mode. Uh, I think the equaliser is, you know, if I, considering doing an article on the key moments of the season, I may or may not do it. I think the the equaliser by Aguero is way up there. I think it's probably... I think it's top three because to, yeah. to equalise immediately just lit... I, you know, it was, in a way, it was more important than it still being nil-nil, I think. Definitely. Just, I don't, go on. People say the team that conceding the goal woke the team up. I don't. I can't think they need waking up on a day like this. But it may have jolted them a bit. I think it's a slap in the face, so to speak. Uh, I think that's one of the key moments. And when the equalised, I think I just felt a lot calmer immediately after that equaliser. I shudder to I, think. I felt a lot better than if it had been nil nil. Totally. I shudder to think what would have happened if we'd have gone even 10 minutes without that equaliser Um, because there was, you know, it wasn't whatever it was they were trying. It wasn't working. Mares 
on the left, Sterling in the middle, mm. wasn't working. It was very obvious that it wasn't working. I was, you know, making a lot of noise in that in that opening period. I'm going to tell you now because you'll like this, Howard. It's absolute fact. When they won that throw-in, yeah? Yeah. I've just looked at Claire and I've gone, they're going to score. And I've gone, slammed one door, gone into the bathroom and slammed the other door and just sat on the bog, <laughs> right? And I've not, come out, yeah. I've not come out for two and a half minutes. And when I've come back out, it's one nil to them. I look up at the TV, Silver flicks the ball back to Aguero and he scores and it's one one. And Claire goes, I didn't want to come in the toilet. I didn't have the heart to come and tell you that they'd scored and you were right. Oh my God. I was, yeah. Um, uh, I was a bit beside myself when, uh, when, when Aguero scored. For me, I felt like the Aguero goal completely changed the yeah. complexion of the entire afternoon for me. Somehow I felt like if they got one, that they would probably get multiple goals, but that the longer that they didn't get one, the less likely they'd be to get one just because you begin to feel the the pressure and you just begin to think about the fact that you've, you know, you've gone nil into nil, nil into a lot of the games in the last I don't know, what is it, 10 of the last, uh, 6 of the last, six 10 of the last, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. one of the last 3, 1 nil, of course. <laughs> exactly, but just that thought of, you know, maybe today is the day when it gives, maybe today is the day where you don't get the goal in the first half and actually you don't get it in the second, but then when they score, I, I mean, obviously I didn't see it, but when I come out and I'm like, it's 1-0 and, and my heart just, I honestly, I, I probably would have burst into tears had Aguero not scored immediately and even when he even when he scores I'm silent because I'm like he's offside and then he looks across at the linesman and then everybody's celebrating and I'm just like oh how was that moment in yeah come on tell me now I was saying it just to do it so quickly it felt it felt like their goal didn't matter as much you know it just been cancelled out immediately uh so I didn't have that long period as you say, if it stayed 1-0, if gone in half-time at 1-0, God, that would have been a long break. That would have been torture. The pressure as well going into the second half. I think that equaliser just... I think it it did wake up players, so to speak. He moved the players around. Uh, from that point onwards, it was a very different game. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I'm jumping ahead to the second half. Considering what was at stake... I didn't feel too bad. Obviously, it was really tense, but didn't feel too bad. I was sat there muttering, just get a third, just get a third. <laughs> uh, but, you know, one of those days we even scored from a corner, so yeah. everything fell which was place in the end. So. Which was the... Because it's interesting what you've just said. I completely agree about how important Aguero's goal is. But personally, I could argue that all three probably go in the top five most important goals or the first three they go in the in the top five most important goals of the season for yeah. different reasons I think uh, the equaliser for all the reasons we've just stated it had to happen and it had to happen quickly I feel as though we needed to get that second goal relatively quickly because I felt as though if we didn't get it Brighton could be 
stubborn and obdurate. And again, it's that yeah. notion of the nerves and the panic building. So to know that to go from one nil down to, okay, now it's back in our hands was a massive, massive moment. And then I think equally in the second half, I think we needed that cushion. We needed to feel like we had a one goal cushion. Well, I just, I, I said on the preview, look, all I want is we go into seven. They, they will try Brighton. Of course they will. So they will not just stroll around. Uh, the fans up for it. They wanted their team to win and spoil the day. And all I said on the preview is, come 70 minutes, I want that two-goal cushion. Because then they will realise the home team will just... When it gets to 70-75 and the two goals behind, they'll stop trying. They'll just see out the game. Mm. Uh, and they did it. They got to that point where literally the game died because they knew it was done. We knew it was done. We just kept keeping the ball. They stopped pressing. Everyone knew how this ended. So... Yeah, there's a case for every single goal. The equaliser was crucial. The second goal, to go in ahead... Yeah, when we went behind, you would have taken the draw to be level at half-time. But we got to go ahead, into the break ahead, which was crucial. That third goal just lifted the tension. You knew Mahrez was going to score it, didn't you? Yeah, and the you fourth knew. goal. I just my, knew. My friend's son said before the match, look, if Mahrez scores today, I'm buying you a pizza from next door. <laughs> 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 It's only 15, but it's like, I went, and as soon as he, he scored, I was just like celebrating. They went, Oh, hang on, you owe me a pizza. <laughs> and he never bought it either. So he said he'll buy me a cup, a, a drink at the cup final instead. So that's fair enough. At London prices, that's probably going to cost him more than the pizza. So yeah, it was beautiful. His turn as well, and he scored heavy goals. Yeah, totally. It's, yeah, it was not many, but for one, because we know how much he's played, you know, he scored. The winner at Spurs, did he not? The winner at Bournemouth. Uh, am I forgetting something else? You probably just, are. And to be honest, we could stop going on about that missed penalty now because a, a missed penalty seven months ago does not decide a title race. You know, over nine months, it's just one of those things. Uh, but yeah, a bit of redemption for him, obviously. His turn before his shot was absolutely sublime. We saw what he can do. Saw Pep hugging him, at, you know, just thanking him at the end. And the free kick was just mag. That free kick could be forgotten. It's probably one of the most beautiful goals we've scored all season. And it's just the icing on the cake. Then, it is. Then it's you see it from time into that. Even we, even I can start singing Championes. <laughs> Did you wait until the fourth to start singing Championes? Of course, yeah. Good lad, good lad. No, Ilke's free kick was. Um, uh, there's an angle of it that I've seen again today, which just shows how spectacular and how good it is. And come on, lad, sign that contract, man. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you know, it is definitely the heat of the moment. Stefan, I believe, is up next in the in the review list. I'm sure he'll, he'll bring me back down to, to earth with a bump. But for the moment, I love this squad. I don't want anyone to leave. I'm kind of looking yeah. at even, you know, where are you going to find a better backup than Otamendi or Danilo or guys like that? Do you know what I mean? I just don't want any of them to go. Gabriel Jesus, the guys, I love him. He's 21 and I love him and I don't care if, He's not quite good enough yet. I'd rather he stayed. I mean, I just want them all to stay. I love them all. Back to yeah. back champions. I mean, Gundogan had the most successful passes of any player in any Premier League match ever, I think. At 165 or something. That's right, he did, didn't he? Yeah. So, you know, people just don't always, you know, appreciate him if he's not a, if he's not a, you know, firing them in or doing huge tackles or last-ditch tackles. But, you know, 
it just it just keeps ticking. The, the team ticks over, you know, the engine of it. And he's been, at, you know, just one of those players who's, we lost Fernandinho and players have stepped in and done the business. The ones that consider peripheral have just stood up to be counted. I mean, it's, you know, 14 wins on a row. It's just staggering. City have, City have dropped 30 points in two seasons. <laughs> hey, I want to... I think I'll, United have probably dropped more this year, to be yeah. honest. But, I mean, it's just... We've scored more points in the last two years than United in the last three seasons. You know, we won 18 of the 19 home games. Just average possession of 68%. They're just rewriting. All the time, they just keep rewriting the rule book. And it's... Yeah, I... It's such an achievement. Uh, I can't believe the poll you've put on ninety three twenty. Nothing tops. Nothing will ever top Sergio Aguero's goal against QPR. No, that cannot be topped. But this is probably the bigger achievement because they had to. This was a bigger achievement, but Aguero is the greatest moment in our history and always will be. Absolutely. Just, there's no. There's no script you can write to beat that. Literally, it's impossible. If we'd won the last fourteen games with 30-yard screamers in the 97th minute every single game, it still wouldn't top that one moment of a goal no. of putting it into the net. But this achievement is probably better. To win those 14 games, I mean, just go, yeah, some of the, and so many tricky games in there, it was just, what an astonishing achievement, honestly. Utterly astonishing. This I is want the greatest, to talk about... This is the greatest top-flight English club ever, uh, team ever, and that, and what, I'm not even going to argue it with, Rival fans, it's just factual now. I mean, mm. to average 99 points over two seasons is just ridiculous. And, you know, in, in victory, it can be uh, gracious. That Liverpool side is not far behind. It's a magnificent side. And these two, these two sides will probably hit over 90 points again next season and will be way ahead of the competition, I think. Uh, and they are unlucky to get ninety-seven points to come second. Must it will hurt, but they have got a super. You know, that is a magnificent side they've got going there. And if they win the Champions League, everyone enjoys their summer basically. Mm, yeah, well, let's hope that that doesn't happen. I am not <laughs> anywhere near as magnanimous as you this morning. Well, no, it, when it they're comes a to brilliant that. side, Liverpool. There's no denying that. Uh, yeah, but they're not. They're not. I'm sorry, but they're not 97 points good. I, yeah, I, maybe. I, not. I, I, yeah, I next that, season. So let, we'll see how good they. It are. will be interesting to see how good they are next season. And you know, uh, the magnanimous person within me should probably say, "Of course, they'll get 90 points again next season." Um, we'll see. It's yeah. about all I can say. Hey, I want you to talk to me about two different things very quickly uh, before I bounce you, so you can go back to your hangover and I try and ring Stefan. Um, First thing I want to talk about is Pep Guardiola, because I think that I don't even really know what the question is other than how much of what we've done in the last two years could have been done without Pep and how important is he to what we are now? Oh yeah, he's everything. Absolutely everything. You know, you look at I think to uh, United appointing Solskjaer because they don't want to pay like £40 million for Pochettino, if that is the reason. And the fact that Borking are paying money for a manager, and the manager is more important than any player 
in any club. Everything comes through that. This is his philosophy, his systems. There's a good article in the Mail today. Sorry, I don't know if it's but Is it Jack Gorn? Yeah, Jack right? Gorn. About his preparation, his, you know, his intensity and stuff and what is, you know, behind the scenes this season. Uh, well worth having a, a read of that. Everything comes through him. Absolutely everything. He just doesn't stop. He just tiniest details the philosophy he will never change his philosophy if it fails then so be it and you're just seeing you're seeing it laid out it took a year it took time it's complicated it needs discipline commitment and if you're not on board you're out the door probably and then, you know he is he has no he will not hesitate to, to drop players who don't believe in him or won't play this way but just yeah just look at what they're doing. It's everything's. We won't be celebrating two back-to-back titles if it wasn't for him. I don't he's, think so. He's had the money, but if you strip the money away from every club, he'd still be the top dog. Yeah. Believe it or not, Howard, there was a Liverpool fan who came out and defended City um, last night, and he said something which really struck a note with me because. I believe it to be true. He said, you can't get away from the fact that Guardiola is the best coach in the world and Manchester City are the best coached team the Premier League has ever seen. And I think that that's the, the line for me is that idea. that, And I think what he's trying to get at is they're not that good because they spent loads of money. They're that good because they're, they're, they're better than the collection of of players that they put together. It's undeniable. This is not a perfect team. Totally. It's a squad that can get stronger. We've had no left-back for two seasons, not proper one. Kevin De Bruyne's lost the season. Uh, had David Silver's form waning. You know, he's coming twilight years of his career. Uh, there's areas to, to improve in his squad. I mean, there really is. It's not a perfect squad. We've had criticisms over Gundogan. We've had criticisms... Walker's form waned for a bit. Is he world class? Got Zinchenko filling in at left back. <laughs> there is honestly, we could sit down and do a transfer. Yeah, we, we have done and say, well, that we need to fill that. That needs strengthening. That needs strengthening. That needs strengthening. And they're averaging ninety nine points over two seasons. And there's there's problems in that squad. This is not the words. This squad is the greatest I've ever seen as a City fan, but it's not the greatest. Is it the greatest in the Premier League? Probably because teams improve with time, you know, fitness and all that, skills. That's just how it happens decade by decade. But there's still room for improvement in this squad. And it will absolutely. get and it will get better. Absolutely. That is absolutely down to the intensity. You know, in that article, the little things, there's no cliques, they eat together. They you know, he makes sure they socialise, they all look out for each other. They make sure the morale of the group is just everything. Uh, yeah, what can you say? I'd say it, this is a squad where we buy right in the summer will be better than it is now next season. Mm, absolutely, I think there's a there's a thing about the the personalities and you know what, what people talk about the mentality and the character and the togetherness and that comes from the personalities and I think that when Pep came in, um, Pep made decisions and made calls based as much on personalities as he did on 
on talent. And I think that that shows in the players that he's kept and maybe the players, some of the players that he jettisoned. And, you know, it goes back to something that I said last week, I think, on a pod or maybe the week before, which is um, yeah, mad. I'm going to quote Gary Neville again. Gary Neville talking about the idea that there's 70-odd players at Manchester City who have who look up to Vincent Company, David Silva, Sergio Aguero, Fernandinho, guys like that, and go, that's the benchmark. Yeah. And the point is that they're all model professionals. The mentality is correct. The professionalism is correct. I mean, everything is absolutely as it should be. You can't... This goes so far beyond money that it's, you know, I can only laugh at, at anybody who wants to speak about money after City have just got collected 198 points over to Premier League seasons. in And also, you know, in a league which has got what people say is a very competitive top six, you know, yeah. um, well, you can't, go on. Second, third, fourth, fifth are in European finals. So, Bingo. And we beat them all. So. Bingo. There you go. Um, okay. So the last thing I want to end on, Howard, is the celebrations, mate. So final whistle. How was the rest of your evening, lad? Yeah. Just a lot of hugging. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. I went on to Jack Daniels at six o'clock because I had enough of beer. Uh, ouch. Ouch, yeah. On the way home. All that... I was actually practicing. I said, all you have to do is go into the takeaway and, and say, two pieces of chicken and chips. <laughs> and <I think> it <laughs> took me about five minutes to convey that information to the man behind the counter. But there's oh, definitely absolutely. some fried chicken here. So I, I, I managed it. Yeah, that yeah, was brilliant. No, that's what it's all about. That's what I've been stressing for months and months and months, just dreaming about this evening where you celebrate with your friends. And you know, it was an achievement, a staggering achievement as well. Not just some coast over the line or you know, one one team league. It was just the stress of everything, you know, just evaporated and the relief and yeah, just seeing those players going up, uh celebrating as well. Because what an achievement by them. Mm. Uh, got to applaud the pettiness of Brighton's fans for booing Kyle Walker even as he collected his winner's medal next level mate. Uh, so I have no idea I can fully get on board with uh, yeah it was just, just to see them celebrate just to, honestly that is what it, that's what we live for that's what last August when we started out <laughs> this season all came together and oh, the, 15 to 20 was in the pub and it was just yeah amazing the shithousery right, yesterday from everywhere was just absolutely next level. Whether it was Brighton fans booing Kyle Walker, Wolves fans chanting Raheem Sterling is top of the league, Everton fans basically not watching their own game all stood in the concourse celebrating Mahrez's goal. Oh, man. Next level. Absolutely uh, next level. Just, yeah, well, that's it. We've not been fighting just against the Liverpool team. We've, as we all know, it's been a battle <sighs> off the field more than anything. Just... It's- this is one we just had to, we just had to get over the line. We did it. I don't want to go and live in a cave for four months. <laughs> you don't do have it. to. We did it. Back to back champions. Liverpool did win. And didn't statue win the for every player, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. For, for saving us, saving humanity, saving the football world from the worst summer imaginable. 
Yeah. I've got I've got big faith in Pochettino and Spurs. You know, lad. I've got really big faith in in Pochettino and Spurs to to really, really, really make it a dark summer for the Scousers. Anyway, yeah, um, that, that's like deciding whether you want malaria or scarlet fever or something. But yeah, I think Spurs would be the lesser of two evils. Yeah, definitely. And to be honest, uh, seeing Pochettino cry, yeah, it was it was a moment of. I mean, you know, I think managers are all, they all have to be a bit fraudy in front of the cameras. So when you get a moment of of realness in front of the cameras, um, it's nice. It's kind of, It was kind of touching. And as yeah, soon bit, as I saw that, I was like, bit, okay, I want you to win it now. Yeah, a bit different from Klopp realising the camera's on him. And Do you know great, what I mean? Great dancing on the pitch, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That daft fist pump thing. Or, anyway... Not going there. Right, Mr. Hocking, I'm going to let you get back to your hangover. And retweets. I... Oh, yes. <laughs> I think I've done can... all the retweets that's possible. I've seen um, at least one journalist already remark upon the pettiness of retweeting. Go have a look at what John Bruin just uh, just said. Pretty funny. Did you re- retweet no. John Bruin or did somebody else do it? I have not retweeted John Bruin. No. Somebody's retweeted John Bruin from January. He's very much not happy about that. I was He's really said. not happy. He said that, you know, some people should be enjoying their title success instead of retweeting me, which I'm always a bit like, lads, we, we're petty. We're football supporters. We enjoy our success through the tribalism of retweeting you bellends who said that we weren't going to do it. It's that hey, simple. It's plenty of time for both. <laughs> exactly. Right. Anyway, Mr. Harkin, you go back to your uh, to your retweets. And I, through the wonders of modern technology, I'm going to ring up Stefan. Yep. So, Howard, see you later. What a lovely chat. Goodbye. Up the blues. From Howard to Stefan. Morning, Stefan. How are you doing? Hi. How are you doing? I'm very good. How are you? Pretty, pretty good. Now, you are our man who was in Brighton. So, your day must have started pretty early. What time did you head down there? Uh, well, not too bad, actually, because uh, I'm based in London. So, it was only um, only about uh, 11 o'clock, 11.30, Victoria Station. Actually, surprisingly, uh, I don't know, we were all expecting loads more blues on the train. And... Uh, it was a little contingent, but not not many. Uh, we had a guy next to us who brought his son from Madrid, mm-hmm. so like a new one of the new crowd. Uh, so so they're Atletico fans, um, and had come to support City. That's their team. Wow! I mean, you know, ridiculous. I mean, the kid was, uh, you know. Eight years old has, has never known anything different. Um, uh, got a bit of insight into Rodri, who they said was absolutely fantastic, and they didn't want to sell him. Um, so it was good, excellent. Um, and then, so you get down to Brighton, and the team comes out, and you send the pre-game tweets of the day. Uh, I must admit that you missed a trick by not squeezing Carragher into it as well. If you'd have if you'd have managed to get Mares and and Carragher and ten men into the same tweet, that would have been pretty funny. Um, but kind of jokes aside, um, what was the vibe around the ground after the team was announced? 
Uh, well, I can only speak about the guys that I was with because we were in. We were just off to the side of the city fans um, in the Brighton. I was actually in the Brighton seats. Mm. So, uh, but you know, all the people I were with were a bit perplexed by it. I mean, you know, it's just it's just hard to understand how. How he comes to the conclusion that today's the day for Morris. I mean, you've got no idea, mate. I've I mean, you know, no it just doesn't. Even now, I mean, <laughs> obviously it's turned out well in the end, right? He scored a brilliant goal. Uh, he plays the corner for the goal. But if you just take a step back, like, what is going through Pep's mind to say today's the day we bring him back, having not played him for how long? I don't Eight know, weeks? four months. Um, I thought it was longer I mean, than that. I thought it was longer than that. But also, and then playing him on the left as well. Like, the, that game started. Like, we kind of talked about it before the game. We kind of said maybe he might go 4-4-2 or he might try and go 4-4-2. Well, he did try and go 4-4-2. Not the biggest vote of confidence for Jesus to stick Sterling up there with uh, uh, with Aguero. But I'm guessing that he probably had a feeling that if it did go tits up, he'd just be able to shuffle them around. Um, yeah, so, okay, so Mares starts, first part of the game. How did you feel about it in the, the kind of lead-up to their goal? When you listen to this pod back, you'll hear my story about the lead-up to their goal, which is pretty funny. Um, but just from from the being in the ground, was it nervous? Or was there a, were people, were the, the City contingent pretty relaxed? Uh, it was quiet. I mean, it was relatively quiet, I thought. Um, you know, obviously, when you contrast it to what happens, I thought the crowd, I thought, they w- I thought we were nervous, yeah. Um, but that's natural, you know. I mean, mm. when we, especially because actually we don't start brilliantly. There's, there's the usual, you know, this, this, uh, this water, not water, this sort of bar that we've got for ourselves where we misplace just a pass and it's a crisis. Mm. But there was a couple, you know, and Walker was in particular, I thought, very poor. Um, and I think that was getting people, you know, relatively edgy. I tell you what was more surprising for me in many ways was that the Brighton fans were really up for it, mm. which I was just like, Why? Uh, you know, if they spotted a City fan in the section that I was in, there was an inquest and they were trying to get them thrown out. Really, really aggressive. And I think it was the family stand bit. So, so that it, you know, there was an intensity to their play as well. They were definitely up for it. And um, and so I was nervous for that. Yeah, I was definitely more nervous around the time that they scored than I had been the whole time on the run-up, on the way there. You know, last few days, I wasn't actually feeling... I was feeling relatively calm. Mm. Uh, but just before they score, you know, the nerves start to kick in, don't they? Because it's it's not going that well. I, I don't want to say it felt like a Brighton goal was coming because that's just an inane say to th- thing to say. But it felt like the kind of moment in a game where the next fitting thing to happen in a typical City way would be for them to score from a set piece to just add to the kind of the, the I don't want to say the weird atmosphere, but the kind of the, the strangeness of the performance. And I think part of that is, you know, there's no point in, in, in criticizing because in the end we won, but part of that is down to Pep and the selection and where he puts the players at the, uh, at the start of the game. Um, I mean, hey, so, I, just, just two things on. on that. So, so the first thing is I, I, 
I, I agree with you. It wasn't a case of it was coming, but it felt possible. Yeah. And we've had a lot of games, particularly recently, where we've been in such control of the game that it didn't even really feel possible. If you look at the Burnley game, where they get two touches in our box in the entire game, it didn't. I know we all sort of were nervous about the game, but the reality is, it didn't. It didn't feel particularly possible they were going to score. Brighton, from quite early on, it, it felt possible, uh, and then obviously they do score. And then the second thing is just on the team selection, and it is ridiculous to be in any way kind of. I hate to even use the word, but critical of of the 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 lineup and and the team selection. But I do don't. I do think you notice it on the field. They don't pass the ball to Mares willingly. That's why uh, Walker ends up on the ball a hell of a lot more than he ordinarily would, in my opinion, because they'd, they'd move the play before they switch it round. They'd move the play consistently over to the right-hand side, much more than they would ordinarily. Mm. Um, and, and they are reluctant. In my view, they were reluctant in the first half to make that pass uh, more often to, um, to Mares. And I do think it disrupted our rhythm. I, you know, I know we had nerves, but we just didn't have the rhythm that we usually have. And the other point is, and Pep did mention it, and we noticed it there, the pitch didn't look quite right. I don't know what they'd done to it, but it didn't look quite right, whether they'd left it deliberately long, which is possible, or or it's just not a very good pitch. I don't know, but it didn't look quite right. Mm. Yeah, I would. I, I certainly saw Arteta um, seemingly having a go at, at, at one of the Brighton backroom staff about the pitch. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the pitch is the pitch for me. I think that when it comes down to it, I think that there were there were always going to be nerves, and then he's compounded them by not so much picking Mares because I'm kind of all right with picking Mares. I just I feel like you know. I don't know. It's it's one of those where with if De Bruyne's not fit, there's a few different ways that you can figure out how you're going to pick the players. Ultimately, it comes down to whether Leroy plays, whether Mares plays, or whether another centre midfield player plays and, and Bernardo stays wide. So it's kind of all right with that. I just felt sticking him out on the left and trying to go four four two. It just it just feel it just felt a bit like. I can understand why you feel that you maybe want more of a threat in the box, but I, I hope, I mean, I think it was clear after 10 minutes or after 15 minutes that when you do that, you're up, you're inviting your fullbacks to just lock, knock crosses into the box. And, you know, seeing Zinchenko knock like three or four crosses into the box that nobody was ever going to get on the end of, end of just felt counterintuitive to what we've done so well over the last month. Well, also, their best two players are the two centre-halves. I think they had, you know, before the game, they they were talking about player of the year and it was the two centre-halves. Totally. So, you know, and we've got midgets, relatively. (laughs) Which is what he said. Which is what he said. I know, I know. Talking about defended set pieces as well. So so then to start playing the ball in the air to their two massive centre-halves, it's just, you know, it's never going to work. So it didn't make a lot of sense. Anyway, listen, who gives a shit? Because... They score. So me and Howard had a conversation about which goals, how important the the goals are yesterday. And Howard says Aguero's goal is in the top three most important goals of the season, which go along with that. Totally, totally. I mean, 
you know, they score that that goal. I, you know, we could possibly Edison just has to come and get it and take anybody out that's in his way. But re- in reality, it's almost undefendable. Uh, I think it was a brilliant um, corner. Um, and and we are then, you know, it's head in hands time and it's like, ooh, now this is interesting, isn't it? Surely not. And, I, you know, you just wonder the sliding doors of, let's say that goes 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes and we don't score. And we go in at half time, a goal down. That that is, I think, very materially different in terms of the way that the players feel. Absolutely, to, to score so quickly, it just completely diffused everything. And you know, I do think it is a massive moment. Um, and when I was there, I thought I thought it was a lot easier. I mean, I thought it was going to be offside, but I thought it was a lot easier than actually when you see it when you see it on the TV, it was a tricky, it wasn't an easy chance. I mean... Nah, not at all. Not at all. And uh, what, he's, he's megged the keeper, hasn't he? And yeah. there's not there's not a lot to aim at. And it's on his left foot. And it's, I mean, Aguero clutch again. What can you say? Like, yeah. when, it, when, it, when it matters, it's, yeah. No, it's just amazing. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you know, time and time again. Just, I've, got, I've got goosebumps. Just the thing. I think the thing is that when you think about Aguero, you, it's difficult not to immediately think about ninety three twenty. But actually, in all the time that he's been here, he's so, he scored so many of them. How many times have you just, you know, he does he does something like that in a moment when it's so so important? Um, in terms of the Laporte goal, and then coming out for the second half, did you have a sense that we needed a third or did you feel that the Laporte goal more or less killed it? Um, well, I mean, I tweeted that, you know, no, no City fan would ever say, um, oh, it's 2-1, can't see Brighton scoring. Uh, but I wasn't, I have to say, I wasn't massively uh, nervous from that point on because... You know, we were. I think, regardless of the second goal, the, the their goal triggered a quite a change in our performance. I felt, you know, we just looked a lot more dangerous, um, a lot more in control, a lot more confident. The shape changed. Yeah. So instantly, they, got, they yeah. score, and then he goes right, Sterling on the left, and. And Mara's on the right. And- but it felt like we moved the ball a bit quicker and we just, re- you know, we had a bit more urgency. I thought we were a bit ploddy in that first 20 minutes. Mm. You know, particularly Gundogan was not moving the ball as quickly as I'd like him to, you know, and then and then is they realised. Do you think that maybe? Is- I don't know. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, that's I think that's what Pep's hinting at. Uh, but it definitely, it looked that way. But then, yeah. but then afterwards... We did seem to move it a bit better, so maybe it wasn't. Don't know. Mm, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, okay, so then number three goes in. Mares, it just it had to be Mares, really, didn't it? You just, I, I knew he was going to score. Second half, I just felt like he was going to score. Um, and then Gundogan with just an, an utterly unbelievable free kick. I think it'll, as Howard said, it'll probably get lost in all the goals, but it's such a beautiful free kick. The lad is. He really is class. There's that. Um, there's that. Um, there's the view from behind the goal. Not yeah. not not behind the city goal. Behind the other goal. 
of the free kick. It's yeah. just it's an amazing free kick. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah. So how was it from there? Talk to me about how how I kind of couple of things um, to wrap it up. And I'm doing the same as I did with Howard. Talk to me about the rest of your kind of the celebrations in Brighton. How was it? What was what was the vibe? And then finally, talk to me a little bit about Pep. I mean, you know, 198 points over two seasons. I think we we can talk a lot about individual players, but um, I feel as though there's something about... I Yeah, I mean, th- this feels somehow like Pep's victory, uh, as mad as that sounds, because I think he's raised everybody to a level that is... Yeah, almost, almost unmanageable, uh, and and it's very difficult to live up to, you know, to do that season after season. It's going to be very, very difficult. But yeah, firstly, just talk to me about the uh, final whistle and the mad celebrations in Brighton. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I mean, we were in the ground for a long time. It was a, it was a, a I thought they did it very well actually in terms of, I mean, it went on and on and on because they had to do the lap of honour for 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 uh, Brighton and this Bruno thing was 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 going on, but. Um, yeah, I thought it was a great, and I had a great little view from on to, on, on the side. Uh, the Noel Gallagher stuff was funny, although I don't think he should be in the changing room at the end of the game. Um, although he, was, he kind of had this, you know, this position just off to the side uh, of the City fans uh, in the, I think, in the Amex box actually. So that's that's uh, that's why you have a black centurion card. Those famous. Uh, <laughs> Those famous cards that only uh, that no, nobody actually knows who who has them. I think he he got one and got about five seats for himself there. Um, so that was fun singing uh, Wonderwall with him, uh, talking to everybody, uh, uh, singing along with everybody. Uh, you know, like, uh, you notice the difference between the nerves in the first half uh, and after the third goal because the noise was brilliant uh, and it was party time. I mean, you know, it's. Um, and then we left the ground after a quite a long time, uh, and then headed back. And it was uh, train was rammed and good singing on the train, and that was it. I then got home and watched every uh, every review that there was uh, from the day. So amazing, you know, it's an amazing achievement. I think on Pep, um, you know, I, I, how you motivate people to go again after last year to that level is, is it's not just it's not about football really you know it's about it's about management it's about motivation of people uh you know you, you could you could do business school in the way that ferguson did after he retired where he did he did a book about management um with this guy moritz who is a billionaire in silicon valley from but from the uk mm. um you could do the same with Pep. I mean, the, these are individuals, and you know, you see some of it with uh, with company as well. The way the way they talk, the way they lead, the way they look at. Okay, well, you know, we bank it, we enjoy it, and then we move on to the next thing. They're already talking about that, and that's how you motivate these players to go again and to try and now win the treble and then they'll be thinking about next season straight away and that's an incredible achievement I don't see that you can do it year after year after year because it must get you can't keep introducing new ways of, of motivating people so you either change the personnel or you change you change your methodology and and it, it, you, I think what Ferguson did when he was doing it was he changed the personnel it seems to me 
we've probably only got a window of a couple more years with Pep, so we mm. better suck it in and drink it in and enjoy it because this is it's never going to get better than this, right? Never. Mm. I know that there's, um, we'll do end of season reviews and this is maybe a conversation for them, but you've touched upon it. So I definitely would like your opinion. Um, I said to Howard, which is probably, well, not probably, is my emotional side that I don't want to see anybody leave this summer anymore, that you can't get a better backup than Otamendi and you can't get a better backup than Danilo. And, you know, you've got Gundogan is just next level and how on earth we can't convince him to sign a new deal is, is completely beyond me. But at the same time, is there maybe an argument that if you look at 198 points over two seasons, you look at what that may have taken out of the squad, you look at everything that you've just said about, you know, how do you make them go again and refreshing them? And maybe actually the solution is to go, well, we're just going to have to take the risk of letting three or four big players go so we can bring three or four players in to change the refresh everything for next season. Well, I think it's a massive challenge. I mean, I think, I think you've nailed exactly what they must be considering and that, uh, and that kind of internal conflict that they're going to have between the two scenarios of having players that one, they know that they know that they are the real deal. They know that they've got the right personalities most of them are not of an age that where there has to be a change. And so there's bound to be a reluctance to move these players on. But then you've got to contrast that with the need to keep things fresh and to, and to go again. And I don't know. I mean, you know, it's very hard from the outside to... Certainly there's no evidence that these guys can't go and do the 102 points that they need to get the 100-point average over three years. I mean... You know, do we really think they're suddenly not going to win lots of games on the bounce? I mean, I can't actually get my head around winning fourteen on the bounce from <laughs> you know into into an end of season. It's just it's off the scale. I mean, you know, it's one thing winning eighteen in. I mean, it's remarkable, clearly, winning eighteen as we did last season. But at least that's you know in a period where. It's different just, in October. You're building yeah. points. You're building points. You know, it's yeah. not like any mistake and the, and the title's gone, which is what it would have been. It's an incredible, incredible achievement. So I don't know. I'm torn on it. I mean, I, I do think surely the Danilo coming on in the way that he did seemed to me to signify his leaving. But then again, why didn't Otamendi come on if that's what they were trying to do? Otamendi did come on. Uh Oh, he did come on, yeah. But Otamendi did... came on for... No, you're right, for, yeah. So um, Otamendi and Danilo come on. Yep. Yeah, and so Vinny's, the other one? Vinny's kind of... It, yeah, it Vinny's looked... wave, that that was that was goodbye. I must... Well, it seems to me it must be, but mm. I don't understand it. I still don't really... I don't get it at all. Uh, but you're right, Otamendi did. Yeah, so Otamendi's obviously going to go and Danilo's obviously going to go. Um, but then Sane didn't come on and Gundogan didn't come off, so maybe... Maybe they're not going. Um, that would make more sense, I guess. You know, Gundogan would feel like the one that they would be able to convince. Um, Otamendi and company leaving at the same time feels like a mistake, uh, especially with Danilo on top of it, because Danilo can play there. I don't know. I think I I I don't think there's a simple answer. I don't think they no. definitely know what you know what what they want. 
what their perfect outcome is. And you see, if there's an indication of that, it might be the way all of these things are changing with all these signing, all the transfer plans. There does seem to be quite a lot of flux in that situation. It may be because, you know, they're just trying to work out as well with the players what what the players want to do, whether they want to stay, whether they want to go. Um, but, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I think... Um, I'd probably try and keep the stability and then add a couple of players on top. Mm. But but I think possibly that's unrealistic. Well, I think it just, it comes down to that idea of you want to keep stability, but at the same time you want to refresh it and how are you going to do that? And I mean, ultimately, I think that the only player that, I guess if I was being super honest, the only player that I really don't want, the two that I really don't want to lose for different reasons are Vinny and, and Leroy. I, I can... I can make my peace with everything else, but I can't make my peace with Vinny going. And I, I, for the moment, I can't make my peace with Leroy going either just because of the goal contributions over the course of the season. And notionally, how do you replace those? Um, and also just, you know, purely from a, a momentum point of view, you don't want to feel like the squad has gone backwards in the summer, which means that if you let somebody like Leroy Sane go, you absolutely have to go out. And then you've got to go and, you know, take a punt on a Jao Felix. And you don't even know if he'll be as good as Leroy or he'll hit the ground running, but at least it gives you that bounce of, you know, the, you've refreshed it and you might have let a talented player go, but you've brought a potentially big talented player in. But anyway, these are all conversations for but, the uh, summer and for the future. For the moment, we are back-to-back Premier League champions. Listen, Stefan, thank you very much. I'm going to let you go back to the rest of your day. And I am going to bounce over and now speak to Mr. Lloyd Scrag. Cheers, Stefan. Cheers. From Stefan to somebody who I've just dubbed baby Stefan in training, Mr. Lloyd Scrag. Morning, Lloyd. How are you doing? Morning, mate. Uh, yeah, struggling, um, feeling a bit worse for wear, but absolutely buzzing. Yeah, um, so back to back champions, lad. Back to back champions. I know, mental, isn't it? <laughs> 198 points. What? What are we watching? Oh, mate, what are we living right now? It's interesting uh, talking to to Howard and to Stefan. Obviously, different personalities contrasting. Um, for you, when you woke up this morning, how? Just how how important is this? How significant is it because of the tightness, because of the race, because of the expectation? Like, yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's huge. I, th- I think we'd have we'd have felt so deflated today if we if we didn't manage to do it. And it is crazy that you know thirty seven games are kind of nine months of toil can come down to basically one game and you know one mistake and if Edison had have slipped with you know a Brighton player a bit closer to him you know they could have scored it's, it's the margins are that that tight and I think Liverpool have been amazing and this probably has been our most difficult title win I would say and I think that was kind of evidenced by the way the players were celebrating um, and the the relief on Guardiola's face I think when that third goal went in it's yeah, it's a massive achievement. And yeah, I think it, you know, it could have really swung the tide, I think, if, if Liverpool managed to pip us in terms of just giving them, you know, a ridiculous amount of momentum. So we've kept them at bay, back to back titles. Um, and I think Pep said, and I know Pep's often someone that goes over the top and waxes a bit lyrical uh, in press conferences and interviews in general, but I think he said this was his most difficult um, league title that he's won. So 
I mean, I think given the fact that Pellegrini's Madrid ran him, uh, I think to a similar level when he was at Barca, I think that's that speaks volumes. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I wonder whether when he said that, I wonder whether he said it because he never expected Liverpool to get that close. I know that sounds weird, but I imagine that up at Barcelona, you kind of almost expect Madrid to do what they did. Ronaldo was in that team. Do you know what I mean? It was it was the kind of the super Galacticos team that uh, that Perez had built at that time. So he was probably more ready, more prepared, more aware of what was coming. Do you think maybe he says that because he didn't think that they'd be able to keep that pace? I think there's a chance. I mean, the fact that we've we've gone fourteen games and beat uh, fourteen games straight wins, which is absolutely ridiculous. And um, Miguel's actually done a really good piece about this in the Independent. So I would push anyone to read it if they haven't already. But yeah, I mean that's only been bettered by one other team, and that's us last season. So the fact that we've you know we've literally had to do that as well, I just think is ridiculous. We've you know we've not dropped a point. Um, I think it's since Newcastle. So I think that was, what, January 29th. Uh, we've won every single game in the league since then. And that's what we've had to do because that's how good Liverpool have been. They've pushed us that close. They themselves haven't dropped a point, I think, since their draw against Everton, which is hilarious. I'm loving the, the <laughs> Everton burden. <laughs> Mate, I've already talked about the uh, about the shithousery across various grounds yesterday, whether it be the Wolves fans chanting, Ryan Sterling, top of the league, them pretending that, that uh, City had scored when they hadn't. Everton fans not watching their game, but chanting that you messed it up on Merseyside and in the concourse after Mares scored. I mean, just shithousery everywhere. Love it. Sorry, mate. No, it's amazing. I think the funny thing about that as well is that we've obviously spoken about that, you know, how the a lot of the media have been behind this Liverpool narrative. But I think it shows that a lot of fans across the country don't didn't want Liverpool to win this title. Um and that that was the last thing that they wanted. So yeah. Big doff of the hat to all the shithousery from all the fans. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> so look, um, asked Howard about his day. Asked Stefan about his day. How was your day? Now, Stefan was at the game. Howard was in Manchester. You were in London, is that right? I was in London, yeah. Okay. Um, my City game watching pal Leon is obviously sunning himself in LA at the moment. So uh, I just watched it with a few mates, but um, no, it was it was it was top. Um, and I, to be honest, when that Mane goal went in and we went behind pretty quickly, I was a bit nervous, but I still thought we were going to be fine. Um, and yeah, the celebrations afterwards continued far too long into the night. Anyway, for me, anyway. But well, back let's to talk champions. Li- yeah, let's talk a little bit about the game. I want to. I've asked everybody the same kind of like touchstone moment. So the team comes out, Mares feelings like does that add to a bit of anxiety or because I was all right with that to be honest I kind of looked at it and went well Leroy Mares or Foden in the middle I feel as though away from home such a big game it ain't going to be Foden so it's going to be Leroy or Mares um so what was your vibe when you saw the uh the team itself yeah it was a bit I was a little bit perplexed I get I but like you say I understand the selection I think Leroy it's clear, you know, there's clearly something not 100% uh, with him and Pep. But there was a part of me as well, and I don't, I'm not just saying this with hindsight, there was a part of me that thought, I think he's going to do something here, Mahrez. Um, it felt, it just felt like, when I saw that, I was like, mm, actually, I've, I, I do have a bit of confidence in that. And obviously he massively stepped up. Um, I mean, that goal was 
I mean, that was a naughty goal. That was kind of messy-esque. The way that he chopped that and then fired it with his right foot. I mean, we, we've we've worked out Morris can use his right foot. Where's that been all season? Well, so. to, to be honest, there's a there's a chance a little bit earlier um, in the game, which is very similar. And rather than no, sorry, it's not very similar. But he's he, he he's caught in he's he's caught inside from the right hand side. Except he's not he's not done that shot on his left. He's actually taken the shot on his right, and he's taken it early, and it's powerful, and he should really score. I think the keeper makes a top save. And I remember at the time thinking that's already different because Riyad, yeah. I've seen you too many times cut back onto your left and just get the shot blocked. And by going on your right and firing it early like you did, you actually made this keeper made a save, make a save. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and to be honest, for me, that I wouldn't be surprised. This is no inside knowledge here, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that Arteta's been working on him with. But like totally. the Sterling and um, Sane shooting stuff last season. Yeah, no, totally. Absolutely. Um, hey, look, so the game starts, I mean, uh, the, the Brighton goal, I, I've said it, I felt it was coming and... The only thing that saved me, you'll have to listen to the podcast to listen to my story, but the only thing that saved me from completely losing it was what I did when they won the throw-in that led to the goal. Because the throw-in leads to a corner, which is the, which the goal comes from. And when they win that throw-in, I've seen my arse and basically left the room. And <laughs> I've not come back for two, two and a half minutes, maybe even three minutes. And I've come back and Claire's just gone, I didn't have the heart to tell you. And I've looked at the screen and it's 1-0 to Brighton and I've just gone, I knew it. And as I've gone, I knew it. The ball's been played to Silver. He's flicked it through to Aguero and he's buried it and it's 1-1 again. And I'm just like, wow, okay, mental stuff. Um, So one, did you feel their goal was coming? And secondly, how important is Aguero's goal and the timing? Is that in the top three most important goals of the season because of the timing of it. So first of all, I did feel it was coming. They, whilst not playing great stuff, they were kind of pinning us back, which hasn't really happened in recent games. Um, And we were looking a little bit shook. In terms of Aguero's goal, has to be top three because literally because of the margins, without that goal, you know, we could have lost a whole season's worth of work, essentially. So, and I think the fact that it's that's that quick, for, on the one hand, it means that the fans um, in the stadium and also us at home, the anxiety just can't really come through because he scored that quickly that you haven't even really got time to start thinking about the ramifications. It's literally yeah. eighty-three seconds. Yeah. Um, and then for the players, I mean, that is just that just buries Brighton straight straight away. They're all all the kind of uplift that they're going to get off that, you know, even if they hold it for five minutes, I think that would make a bit of a difference, but we literally respond straight away and Serge just batters it into the bottom corner. And I don't think that game would have been as comfortable without um, that uh, a goal that quick. I think, you know, we could have been toiling for the rest of the first half. We could have gone in, you know, one nil down, and then it would have been real nerves and the players might have started, you know, taking pot shots, forcing it. So, it Huge was nervy. Goal. It was already nervy 15 minutes in. Exactly. It was already nervy before, for me, before they even score. You already get the sense that, you know, too many crosses are being flung into the box. The shape doesn't feel right. I mean, I'll just remind everybody, we are back-to-back champions. I am absolutely buzzing. We're just having a little chat about the game itself. Um, so, yeah, it was, I, had that, I had that sense of, like, just doesn't feel right. And then they score and then Pep changes it. 
Sterling goes to the left, Maris to the right. Were you confident from the moment that we scored that we'd just cruise it from there? To be honest, I thought once that once that goal went in, I was I was very calm because it's basically back to nil nil again, and we've just got to score one more than them from that point. And I did feel, I think I said this on the podcast before the game, I, Brighton only ever had one goal in them. I think mm. I, I never, I, could, I just couldn't see them scoring again. I mean. No, I just I couldn't see that coming. So yeah, I was I was pretty comfortable from there, and um, I think fair play to Neville. He was sometimes he can fixate on these kind of things in his commentary um, in terms of little things that he'll notice. But he was right; it wasn't working with with Raz in that position. So once Pep realised that and had the fortitude to say, actually, you know what, I might have got that wrong. I think we looked a lot more comfortable, and, and we kind of camped ourselves in their half from that point. Talk to me about the. Um... Talk to me about the achievement of getting 198 points over two seasons. Um, Howard said something on, maybe Stefan said it, which I think is so true. There's a there's a fixation with money. There's a fixation with our squad somehow being, I've seen it re- be referred to as the Harlem Globetrotters of football. Yet at the same time, we have weaknesses pronounced weaknesses we've had no left back for two seasons our only recognized holding midfield player is state four years old um i mean there's a lot within there's a lot within the squad that isn't quite as perfect as people make it out to be so to do what they did last season i think without the challenge without somebody breathing down your neck it's different to do it, to go again this season, excuse that Scouse cliche, um, and to get to 98 points, to withstand the pressure of the last 14 games. I mean, are we beyond Are we beyond anything the league has seen? Are we beyond anything? Obviously, for me in my lifetime, it's beyond anything I've ever seen. I'm trying to widen it out to the whole Premier League. What are we living right now, Lloyd? We're living our best life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think the league's seen anything like this. I think the debate's over now. City are the best team in Premier League history. Um, and the scary thing is we're not going to... I can't see us dropping off massively from here. Even next season, if we don't win the league and Liverpool, say, manage to pip us, which I would say is unlikely at this point, then it's going to be... A huge effort from them and I can't see us getting below minimum 85 points next season I just don't I just don't think it'll happen with this bunch of players and with Pep barring an absolute calamity which again I just don't think is going to happen um, and yeah the, the 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 narrative around money and oil you know it's an oil squad and um, Holland Globe, Globetrotters I'm sorry but it's just such a lazy narrative um, obviously without the money none of this is possible but there's so much more to this team than money it's so carefully constructed the coaching staff the way that we've built this kind of ship for Guardiola to be at the helm and steer us and um, you know the football that we play and the players that we've got and the way he's developed people like Sterling and and De Bruyne has come on and how even people like David Silva and Aguero have come on the guy fundamentally is the best coach in the world at coaching players so there's so much more to it than that. And yeah, to get 198 points is, it's just eye-watering. I mean, it means we've dropped 30 points across two seasons, which I think is what Spurs dropped this season, um, which is ridiculous. And um, yeah, if you look to 
198 points. I mean, in previous title wins for United, 198 points across three seasons would maybe get you three titles, if not two. So, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely um, crazy. And I, I think it is unprecedented. How do you... Um, how much of this title is Guardiola's? I've asked, I, I asked Stefan, I'm not sure that I asked Howard, but I'd love to know what you, what you think about how much of this title goes to Pep. More than last season? Less than last season? Where's the line? You know what? I actually think more than last season because I think it's after what happened last season, it would have been easy for the players to just drop off 5-10%. And we've seen it in our previous title wins. We haven't managed to back one up. And there's that natural, almost human kind of instinct just to take your foot off the gas a bit um, and kind of rest on your laurels a bit because you've been you've had that success and it's you know still pretty sunny. Pep has had to absolutely drive at these players and you you know you can read there are some really good stories which I would push people to read I think Jack Gowan's done one in the mail about kind of the just a small process that day-to-day Pep's been drilling into these players the little things that he's stopped them doing the little things he's made them do so I think for me because of that I think this is Pep's this is Pep's slightly more than than the 100 points which sounds ridiculous because the 100 points was the 100 points and it was his first but I think it's been even harder for him to one, see off Liverpool and two, see off a natural kind of down curve and complacency. Where did you watch the game? I watched it at my mate's house. Um, this, that's the problem with London. There aren't many blues around. Uh, pubs are full of Scousers and United fans. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I actually watched it with a couple of Reds, which was really satisfying. What United um, fans or Liverpool fans? Uh, United fans. Just as the as you got the score update along the bottom saying <laughs> Cardiff one United nil, and then Cardiff two United nil. Uh, so that was yeah, that was, that was top. Um, excellent. And then uh, what was your? Uh, how did you? How did you celebrate? What did you do? Was it? Were, were you straight out on the piss? Were you? Were you giving it to whoever you could find, or were you a little bit more um, circumspect in your celebrations? I, no, I don't generally like to be circumspect. A lot of a lot of WhatsApps were sent out to various uh, Liverpool fans, many of whom I'd, I've had bets with. Uh, one of, in fact, one of them I just sent my bank details, uh, just saying, <laughs> uh, with, just with the with the emoji with the finger to its uh, lips, just a shh. Uh, you've got you've got to make the most of these moments. I mean, how, it's not going to happen very often. Um, yeah, just as Martin Tyler once said, drink it in. And I did a bit of that afterwards as well. So, yeah, lovely stuff. Excellent. And what do you, just looking looking forward to beyond next weekend, um, what is it that City need to do to ensure that they, Pep said that he, Pep said two things, which I think are interesting. He said that this team will get better can get better and can be improved. And he also said that 90 points is now the benchmark every season. Um, Do you agree with him in the sense that, do you think that putting aside the challenges, can City maintain this kind of level? What, if any, threat is there to City maintaining this type of level in the Premier League? I don't think there's... I think the main threat is Liverpool... I think the only other threat is ourselves. I agree with Pep. I think this team is capable of another 90-point season. I think almost this would kind of be the third phase um, in terms of going from season to season, in terms of 
hitting the 100 points and then having to not regenerate the team, but probably regenerate the mentality for that second season. And I think now what we'll need to come is a slight evolution of the squad. Certain players, some of the guys that have taken us to this title in Aguero and Silva and company are probably going to have to, and Fernandinho are going to have to play less minutes next season. I think there's going to have to be a slight evolution on that front. But we've also got guys, some of the main main guys in this team, Laporte, Sterling, um, Sane, Jesus, Edison, Stones, Zinchenko, they're all 25 and below and they're only going to get better. Um, and De Bruyne is still only, you know, 27. We've got Phil to come in. Bernardo's, what, 24? So I, I think I, I think it is the benchmark. I think Pep's moved the needle. And yeah, I think basically, apart from Liverpool going absolutely 100 points and City naturally just maybe just getting it wrong with a few transfers in the summer or just not having that squad uh, composition correct, I don't see any reason why we can't absolutely smash it again next year. Mm, I said this previously. I um, I know why everybody thinks that it's now City and Liverpool and that those two will be up there and everybody else has got to bridge that gap. They have to do it again. They've done it once. To do it once is very difficult. To do it again, to get to win that many games, to be that relentless... It's a very difficult thing to do. I think that you have to have special players and I think you have to have a special manager. And I think that that right now, there's just no guarantees that they do it again next season, even with all the quality that they have within that squad. I think we have to be realistic about the number of games that they've got over the line in the last five minutes, in the last 10 minutes, in very bizarre circumstances. I mean, we're talking about three different goalkeepers that have basically thrown the ball in their own net to give them the win. So um, I appreciate why people say that. I'm just not as convinced. And I think maybe that's going to ask you something. To wrap this up, what's the best bit of saltiness that you've seen online, on Twitter, or anywhere, in fact? What's been the most satisfying piece of saltiness that you've seen? Can I say City fans throwing a pint at Gary Neville? On the, on the <laughs> i've got to be honest i only saw that a short while ago it is uh we are something else we are something else that was that literally the birds have won the title they're in the sun at the amex and someone has thrown a pint at gary neville christ (laughs) oh never stop being a bird that's all I can say. Never stop being a bird. Right, Lloyd, listen, I mean, we could ramble on for another 20 minutes about plenty of different things, but I reckon in a couple of days we'll do something a little bit more um, intellectual and analytical and a little less emotional. Uh, but for now, how are your emotions? How do you feel? Back-to-back champions? Yeah. Buzzing, mate. W- waking up knowing that you're champions, I, I'm, I don't ever get used to that feeling, so... Uh... Yeah, I'd like a bit more of that. And I'm definitely not bored of it yet. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, listen, Lloyd, thank you very, very much. Cheers, mate. To everybody who's listened to this review, I've got to do a quick shout out to Dan and Paul Towsey because they hit me up on Instagram. I never really do shout outs. And also a shout out to the LA City Blues, FJ and Jim, for looking after Leon in LA and uh, keeping him in trouble or out of trouble. I don't know because I've not heard yet. Um, To everybody who listened, this was our separate but together reviews of City being back-to-back champions. 
as I said, we'll be back on the 9320 player in the next day or two with uh, maybe something a bit more analytical. We're back on Friday with a Friday show just because the season ends next weekend with the FA Cup. Doesn't mean the podcast will end. The transfer window is upon us. The silly season is nearly upon us. So there'll be plenty of podcasts coming. In the meantime, as always, be safe, be well and up the back-to-back blues.